Welcome to the Barry Trammell Show, and this is going to be a unique show for me. I've got somebody on with a very similar name. I get a lot of emails, get a lot of uh, feedback from readers, but very few have the insight of my guest. It's my twin brother, Terry. We've been partners for 62 years, and the college football playoff has invigorated me to invite him on because he has a unique perspective and we will talk with my twin brother terry in just a few minutes but first our show today is sponsored by keep okc big league we've got the arena vote coming up tuesday in oklahoma city a vote yes will help keep the thunder in town and so now we welcome in my twin brother terry Homa, we call you Homa because uh, your nephew, 40-something years ago, you married a girl from Virginia. He didn't know your name. All he cared about was that you were from Oklahoma. He called you Uncle Homa. I've called you Homa ever since. So, Homa, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Barry. Glad that you uh, invited me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's get right to it. Um, You uh, have a lot of things going on in your life, but you had the time to pen a letter to a, to uh, the uh, chairman, the college football playoff committee, Boo Corrigan, upbraiding him for his selection or for the committee's selection over uh, of, of uh, Alabama over Florida State. And so I wanted to uh, bring you on and talk about the questions you asked of Boo Corrigan. You're not going to get a response. Most of those questions actually don't uh, don't even have a response. And frankly, we don't even agree on this issue. I supported uh, taking Alabama. But uh, what we're going to do is something we did, what, 50 years ago. Our Saturday mornings, we'd get up, we'd make our college football predictions, and then we'd settle in. And if uh, if there was a game to go to, we'd go. Uh, usually Norman, once up to Stillwater for the uh, 73 OSU Nebraska game. If there was not a game uh, to go to, we'd sit and watch college football. And so uh, we've been uh, college football aficionados well before we entered the professional ranks. Now, I entered journalism at the age of 17 professionally. I was a late bloomer in our family. You preached your first sermon at age 14. I think it was your first revival at 16 as an evangelist, I think. Is that right? I think at 16. Now you have a Ph.D. in, uh, in religion. Uh, religious studies. You've been a, uh, a professor. You're director of world missions now for the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. Uh, you've memorized the book of Revelations. Not making that up, people. Not making it up. He can recite the book of Revelations from memory. And yet, your college football Saturdays are reserved for college football. So uh, that's one of the things I love about you. So let, let's talk a little bit about. Florida State, Alabama. Why, why were you so upset when, uh, when you saw Alabama's name on that list? Barry, you framed it well. I'm a lifelong college football fan. I don't go to the games. You took me to the press box once back in the 80s. I've been to one game. Uh, the last game I went to at Norman was in 2001. But I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't smoke or drink or cuss. I'm faithful to my wife, my church, and my Lord, but I've got one vice, and that is 14 Saturdays 
a year, every fall, I block off from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. and I watch college football. And like a lot of people, I think I'm really not happy with just about everything that's happening. You'll be able to tell I'm a Scrooge, I'm a purist, I don't like the NIL, I don't like the portal, I do not like coaches' salaries with huge buyouts, I don't like the cheating, I don't like bowl games between mediocre teams in front of empty stadiums, I do not like um, conference realignment that stretches from coast to coast and destroys rivalries, I don't like the overtime rule, I don't like those six dreaded words that we keep hearing way too much. Uh, the previous play is under review. Just about everything I don't like except one thing, and that's the games themselves. I still am drawn in by the games and the regular season especially, but I'm willing to, you know, watch the playoff. And I really thought Boo Corrigan and his committee had an easy assignment. Just, you know, the four teams look clear to me. You have five conference champions, all had an excellent season. Three were undefeated. Two had one loss. It seemed logical to me. The three undefeateds move on. The other two you compare, but they settled it on the field. Texas beat Alabama. I thought it was a done deal. And then I found out that um, Mr. and Mrs. Kerrigan had named their son correctly. Boo! With the decision that was made. Uh, that somehow left Florida State out. Well, first of all, um, uh, here's my counter to Florida State. Uh, the the one problem I've had with the committee over the years is their cookie-cutter rankings. They always go by number of losses. Uh, and frankly, um, I've been hearing this from you for f- literally 50 years when we would talk about the old AP poll. You would always ask a question, who did you lose to? That's how you liked uh, to, uh, to rank teams. So you've been, you've been, uh, sort of fixated on this losses thing and the committee's been the same all these years. If, if you go through any set of rankings they have, it's zero, zero, zero in losses. One, 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 two, two, two. That's just how they rank people. I got a little uh, charmed seeing that they ranked them this time by something besides defeats. It looks to me like Alabama didn't have just a better schedule, a tougher schedule than Florida State but a significantly better schedule. And I thought that was the key to, uh, you know, all things being equal. Sure, Florida State's in, but I don't think they were equal. I thought Alabama played uh, two elite teams in Georgia and Texas. Florida State played none. To me, that was, was what pushed them, pushed them ahead. But, uh, but your, your letter to Boo Corrigan was fantastic. Um, if uh, You asked all kinds of questions. Some were silly. But some were insightful, and let's just get right to them. Uh, I'm gonna. Here's number one. If Deion Sanders was the coach at Florida State and had the exact same results as this year's team, would they have still been left out? What say you? We know we we know the answer to that one. Uh, obviously, they would not be left out. The whole the whole premise of the argument uh, against. Florida State being excluded is that this has all been arranged for television. And if they could have got Deion Sanders in the Final Four, the debate would have had to have been between, um, uh, well, there there wouldn't have been a debate with the the Deion Sanders. Um, The purpose of that question is to show the hypocrisy that there's more 
determining the results than what was uh, asked? Well, uh, I tend to agree with you. I think they might have. Uh, I think they might have jumped for the Dion thing. Um, they focus on personality uh, to some degree, I think, at times. And Dion is a he's a lightning bolt this year. If he had a heck, if he'd a you know if if he'd have gone twelve and zero at Colorado, he'd been in. So you're probably right. Number two, what if Alabama would have beaten Georgia thirteen ten, but quarterback Jalen Milrow would have torn his AC AHCL in the second half? Would the committee still have taken Alabama? What say you? Well, I think this is a very valid question uh, because obviously the Alabama team that would go into the playoff is going to be different than the team that they would have had before with, with Milrow as the quarterback. I think this one would have required the committee to make a decision, uh, but not between Alabama and Florida State. It would have had to have been between Alabama and, and Georgia. You couldn't let Milrow, I mean, Alabama go without Milrow. I mean, if you can do that, then Florida State is in. But uh, you also have to have a team from the Southeast. That's a given from the Southeastern Conference. So they, they would have had to have made one of those decisions. And the hypocrisy that we'll do this to Florida State, but not to if it happened to Alabama, I think it's obvious. Yeah, I that one... The, the problem with this whole process is projecting with injuries, um, acting like they know what Florida State would do uh, going forward without Jordan Travis. So that's that's where they've gone off sideways on this whole thing. And, and the irony, Barry, is every Tuesday night, Boo Corrigan would come out and say, we don't project, we don't project, we don't project. And then finally, when it gets to the biggest vote of all, the only one that matters they did they nothing project. except project. They project. No, you're right. You're right. I can't. Uh, you're exactly right. Um, I tend to think, um, I don't know what they would have done, but it was, certainly would have called into question their ability to, uh, to uh, make a, uh, a decision based solely on Jordan Travis, which appears to be what they did. So that, uh, that's not good. That's not good. All right. Number three, uh, and this is, to me, this is interesting. You ask, was there anybody speaking up for Florida State in the voting room, or was it 13-0, 13 votes to zero, all for Alabama? And you point out the irony of 13-0 uh, is actually Florida State's record. Um, this speaks to the, the star chamber nature of the committee room. Um, you're looking for a little... You want you want some more. You want to poll the jury, in other words. Barry, um, I was looking for Henry Fonda. It's 12 <laughs> angry men. We needed one man to step up and say, I think there's reasonable doubt here. Did we have that? Or were they all puppets? Was it all you talk? You used the phrase cookie cutter earlier. Was it all yes men? Was there ever a 10 to 3 or or, you know, 9 to 4 vote? Did anybody sway anybody or was, you know, I'm convinced and you can see it probably by the next question if that you were going to ask me, I'm convinced really the committee members didn't vote. It had to be computers. If you look in that room and you've been in that room for those, those rehearsals, I know 
if you look in that room, there's always all these 12 men around these computers. Well, I'm convinced it was the computers that did the voting because if men would have done it, there would have been at least one that would have had a spine or a backbone or a heart. And since they didn't, it had to be the computers. Well, I actually would, I actually think it'd be cool if we did have, if they were able to level with us and say the vote was eight to five or the vote was 10 to three or the vote was seven to whatever it is. I think that would help. I think you can acknowledge they were given an impossible task. They were given five, they were given four spots on the lifeboat and there's five people left on the Titanic. Somebody was going to get left out. And frankly, all were deserving. I mean, Alabama going 12 and one, beating Georgia in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. You can't say that Alabama is not deserving, but on the same, you know, same thing goes for Florida State and, and their resume. So it was, it was a, it was a Sophie's choice situation. So I don't know, uh, I don't know if this would help, but I do think if Boo Corrigan or any other chairman committee uh, or committee chairman would come out and say, the vote was actually 8-5 and we talked about it and we talked about it and we voted again and it was still 8-5. I do think people would feel a little bit better. So well, considering that across the national landscape, there is still outrage. There's literal outrage. And it's not just coming <laughs> from Florida State fans or anti-Alabama fans. It's people like myself that are neither one. I love the state of Alabama. I love the people in it. I have spoken there in many settings. Uh, Alabama and Georgia both have a Bojangles. They're high up on my list as far as the value of states. But I cannot, for the, the life of me, you know, grasp this idea that this was really that hard of a decision. You've got, you've got three undefeated teams. I tell you when, it would have been hard if you had five undefeated teams and four spots. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got to be left out. Whoever's left out, they would just have to take their lumps without an argument. But if you, yeah. if you play every game and win them all and you see somebody that lost, and I know you, you already stated your case and I've read it, uh, before about Alabama had the better schedule. I think you're right on that. You would say, uh, it was the more difficult schedule on paper. Okay. But I don't think it was the harder schedule. Here's what I mean by that. You got two choices. Let's say any hypothetical coach in the country that wants to be, that, that wants to win the national championship. If they gave you two choices, you can, and you could have either play Alabama schedule or Florida state schedule. Which one you want to play? Every coach in America would raise their hand for Florida state, right? They'd say, I'd rather play Florida state schedule than Alabama's any day. But they say, if you'll play Alabama's schedule, we'll give you a mulligan. You don't have to win them all. You can lose a game and still go. But if you take Florida State schedule, there's no margin of error. You have to win them all. I think what Florida State did in going 13 and 0 was harder than what Alabama did in going 12 and 1. Well, I th I, that's where we disagree because I think I think going 1 and 1 against Georgia and Texas is more impressive than going 0 and 0 against Georgia and Texas type teams. But let's move on. We're going to skip a couple of questions yeah. that we've already sort of covered. Uh, now, I thought this was fascinating. With all this talk about Jordan Travis being injured, 
plan without him. You say, since the committee has embraced the prediction business, which they sort of have, after seeing all the games, how many points do you really think Michigan would score against that Florida State defense? And I think that's a legitimate point. I think people have overlooked how good Florida State's defense is and how much uh, of an elite unit that is. That's not, this is not a Florida State team that wins games 35-31 on a regular basis. This is a team that plays big-time defense. If, if Florida State would have won the game um, against, playing against Louisville's third-team quarterback, then I could understand why that would be suspect. But they won the game playing with their own third-string quarterback. And it, did anybody watch the Michigan-Iowa game? Was everybody just watching Florida State-Louisville? I was doing what I do every Saturday. I flip back and forth. Do you know what the score was at halftime of Michigan? Was it 10-0? Iowa? It was 10-0. Michigan had an 87-yard punt return to the yep. one-yard line, and they punched it in. You take that play away, you've got a three-to-nothing game at halftime. Where's the yep. outcry about where the offense is? How I, I I don't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around the double standard. No, it's I've seen yeah. Michigan all year long. <laughs> I really think that you know there's an excellent chance Alabama's going to beat them. Straight up, Michigan's a little vanilla on offense. They've got a strong defense, but but they've they haven't really played too many top teams. So um, anyway, that's that's something I I I, I wish the committee would have looked at. Right, you also asked Boo Kerrigan this: If the SEC already had a berth sewed up before the season, just tell us so that everyone else would know they were fighting for three spots instead of four. What you're really asking there is, how much does the committee look at previous season results? And the truth is, they say they don't, but the truth is, we know they do. I mean, I've I supported Alabama being in, but I also said going without an SEC representative in this college football playoff would have, you talk about outrage right now from the Florida State faction. We literally would have a college football revolution going on right now if no SEC team had made the Final Four. Well, I think that's that would be a, a, a valid question for Boo and his committee. Just be upfront with us. If you knew going in the SEC was going to get one, just tell just tell Florida State and Washington and Texas and everybody else is playing. There's not four seats available. There's only three. You're playing for three spots. And, and I think that that's something that, uh, you know, would leave them silent really without a, a, an answer. Uh, I know Kirk Herbstreet has sounded the, uh, you know, the alarm and almost all the talking heads from ESPN, you know, why Alabama deserved it. And one reason, uh, Herbstreet, he's tired of, uh, calling the mismatches, you know, uh, in, in some of those semifinal games and the, the, the such like. But I, I, uh, I think your point is actually, you know, right on target when you said they have to look back at previous years. It'd be human not, you know, it wouldn't be human if you didn't do that. But, but uh, and I know they look back because it's hard to say Alabama beat Georgia 
without saying Alabama beat Georgia, who had won 29 games in a row. But time out. You're not supposed to to factor that in, the win streak of 29 games. No. If you if you don't think there is a some kind of bias, real or imagined, it certainly is through through the television emphasis with the SEC. Let me ask you, Barry, do you think there'd be very many people surprised if the committee just goes ahead and announces next year for the 12 game? I know it's not in their protocol now, but they could easily make a change. The four teams that get buys next year will be Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and the winner of OU Texas. Would that surprise you if they uh, did yeah. that? Yes, that would surprise me if that happened. Yes, that would surprise me. That would surprise me. Um, but here's, here's the thing. I've been known to use hyperbole before. I'll only pull well, it out if needed. But we, there is a you, measure you, of truth even in hyper, yeah. hyperbolic statements. Yeah, here's the truth. It's, it just, it's a bad system. And we've avoided um, cataclysmic decisions like this. Um, we didn't avoid it this year, and it was—it's a mess. Yeah, you raised some other good points. We're going to move on quick. Liberty SMU shows that you know they switch their parameters quite a bit. SMU clearly has the tougher schedule. Liberty won unbeaten. Liberty got the major bowl berth, uh, unlike the other situation. Um, uh, you know, and uh, uh, you make the case that the ACC was stronger than the SEC in some ways this year. And truthfully, the SEC's non-conference this year was not very good at all. Um, I guess the best SEC victories were Kentucky over Louisville, Mississippi State over Kansas, and Miss- uh, I mean Mississippi State over Arizona and Missouri over Kansas uh, State. So there's your three big. Big SEC victories. None of those teams are relevant, really, to this discussion. Um, well, I just said the the ACC, at least in one metric, uh, had a better year than the SEC, and that was in head-to-head matchups, and the ACC no. won six of those. But I know, and again, you can't use head-to-head. You can't use any games that actually were played on the field to support your argument in this day and time of make-believe and, and all that's happening. All right. Well, that let's let's move aside for a minute, and and uh, a couple of questions I wanted to ask you of a uh, of a more a personal nature. Um, from the book people, of Revelation, or no, no, probably well, not go well, to Revelation. We got to keep our we got we got to keep our audience. I don't know that our audience is. Uh, I can't grasp Revelations. I don't know why anybody else would besides you, but. Uh, I've talked a little bit, written about it over the years, just about, you know, some of our upbringing, you know, where I come from. But from your perspective, um, of course, I've told everybody, you know, I was I won the birth lottery. Uh, We had a great mom and dad, unbelievable uh, upbringing. We weren't rich, but man, we had a great home and we were able to thrive. You ever look back and thought about what was it about our about uh, the seventy growing up on East Boyd Street in Norman in the nineteen seventies that that allowed us to turn out the way we did? Well, you said it well. It was uh, it was nothing that within us or our our brother um, we were just just blessed with a, a an incredible mom and dad and a home that was balanced. You know, not too strict, not too loose, but balanced and filled with love and. Uh, 
And it, it was a home where there was room for, of course, faith and family and friends, but also football. I look back on it, my mother, we weren't fair to her. She was no. outnumbered, you know, four to one. And I, we could it's just, awful. you know, and she didn't care for it at all. But she would, she would uh, uh, certainly go the extra mile on her end. Uh, it, it was just a, a, um, a, a wonderful environment to be raised in and to live in and to, to uh, you know, still try to extend in our, uh, our families today. When you, when you think about foot, uh, autumn Saturdays in the 1970s on East Boyd Street, what are some of the memories you think of? I'll give you one. 1970, we were nine. Bedlam was in Norman, and we did not go to the game. I think Dad got season tickets to OU the next year in 71. So we didn't go to the game in 1970, and the game was not on television. And so we listened on the radio. Whatever game was on TV, I don't know we were watching, but we also listened to uh, uh, Bob Berry would have been calling for the Sooners in 1970. He had not yet left to go to OSU. And that was when the wishbone was about, uh, you know, six weeks old, maybe seven weeks old. And that's the game where the wishbone exploded. And the Sooners won 66 to six. And after two or three touchdowns, we started running outside. As soon as the, we heard that OU scored a touchdown, we ran outside to see, to, he, uh, to see if we could hear the roughneck shotgun go off. Uh, when they would they blow those dang things after a touchdown. That's one of the, my memories. What what are some of yours? And by the way, on that game, they 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 blew it a lot. <laughs> yeah. When they 66 scored sixty six sixty something points. Well, Dad at the time, you know, was um, managing a motel and a restaurant, and so he would bring on game days. He would bring us something from the restaurant, whether it was a steer burger or a steak sandwich or something. And I love those. And then um, we, when we had the five season tickets and we were in that upper deck and the next to the highest row, I have no idea how I did it then because I, you, I'm full fledged vertigo. You know, we got to tell people we let our dad's tickets were in the upper deck on the far North end section one Oh nine. And we were, Three rows from the top, I think. Forty row forty-two and row forty-four was the top, and we had the final five seats up against the wall, and you and me were often the ones against the wall. And at the age of ten, twelve, thirteen, I'd stand against the wall and look over. It didn't bother me. I can't stand on a second-floor balcony now. I mean, you put me on a step ladder and my knees start wobbling, and yet there I was, uh, you know, literally four miles in the air. And it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me a bit. Yep, that's that. Same, same. Um, one of the memories that I have, I would, you know, we would sometimes, Dad, we'd go and park a car close to the stadium, and then Mom would drop us off later, you know, where we could make a getaway. But walking to or from the games, a lot of times, Dad would have the uh, a radio with the headset, and a lot of times he'd let me wear it. I was always more interested in the scores of other games. You talked about us predicting them. And even and so I grew up, I really, I still love OU and the Sooners and a lot of my family attended there and all. But uh, I've, I've always seen myself more as a national fan, even to this day, you know, like why something like this, it doesn't even involve OU, why it, uh, it, it matters to me. But 
just the fact of being able to hear those uh, those other scores. And, and that's why there's somebody like me. I have no desire to go to a game today, especially if there was other games going on. Well, you can stay at home and monitor eight or ten at a time. Barry, I even remember before Al Gore invented the Internet, you were up in the press box uh, several times. You would call me at home to get updates on scores. All the time. In the 80s, I would call you all the time. All the time. Give me an update. I'd call you in the 90s. Sometimes yeah. I was giving you the play-by-play as a team was lining up for a field goal. You said, you no tell me what's it. happening while you're no doing it. it. And so people were used to talk about how great of a job you had, you know, going to all these things. I said, ah, he, he, he contacts me to find out what's going on. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. Yeah. And we would, uh, we would walk up, uh, our parking space was the corner of Boyd and Classen, right on that intersection. Uh, dad found a way to sort of park illegally, I think, <laughs> and they never bothered him. And so we'd par- and end up walking along Brook Street to to the game. So, uh, you know, one of the things I remember about football in the in the seventies was everybody smoking. The stadium's full of smoke, and yeah. it didn't bother it didn't bother anybody. That was just part of the smell, and you can yeah, still if you if you smell it today, you almost can go back to that kind of scene. That's right. You know, our, our uncle Don says um, that the uh, when they started limiting. You know, trying to trying to con- persuade people to quit smoking, the uh, the tobacco companies just made the uh, made the tobacco a lot more addictive, and that's why the smell today is a lot worse than it was back then. I have no idea if he's got a case there. He's not a scientist. Um, I don't think he's a high school graduate, but uh, you know, the, the smoke never bothered us in 1974. I will I will say that. Um, all right, Homa, has the uh, the scandal of Florida State and Alabama ruined your postseason? Will you watch the three games? The, I, the will, playoff games? I will probably watch them. I'm not going to um I'm not going to threaten to get even with college football and turn off the TV. They don't even know I'm alive. And they certainly don't care. But um I'll definitely be watching, but I'll be watching knowing Whoever wins, I think you're going to give them, you've got to give them an asterisk. There's going to be an asterisk. It's no fault whether if Alabama wins, give them an asterisk. And it's okay. Saban's won three or four that already have an asterisk. Are you kidding me? He beat Saban's won three or four with an asterisk? At least three come to my mind right now. Eleven? Are you counting 11? Shouldn't have been there in 11? Is that what you're saying? 2011? By the way, these undefeated seasons that Florida State just pulled off, they're kind of hard to do. They Steven's are hard to do. only done it twice. Yeah. He did it in 2011, and then he did it in the COVID year that you throw away. He played less, you know, you played less yeah. games. Okay? But Barry Switzer only won, had two unbeaten seasons, and one of those had a tie. And the other yep. one didn't play in a bowl game. Yep, that's true. Joe Paterno won three or four. He went unbeaten three or four times and didn't even get to play, you know, for national honors. Nope. I'm just telling you, it's hard to do. But LSU uh, and Alabama, nine to six in overtime. You think Corrigan's committee would like to have watched that thing? Nine to six in overtime? We're going to leave Florida State out because they got a third stringer and they, they only scored 16 points? That was one asterisk. 
How about when, when, uh, and of course, Alabama, you know, they got to go and do a rematch. Keep people saying the whole thing is to get the four best teams. Any formula is really to determine who the best team is. And we already knew that year it couldn't be Alabama. They played on the field, right? So how about the year when Saban's year that he he went unbeaten and he got to play Texas? And on their very first series, what happened to Colt McCoy? Yeah, it wasn't the first series, but it was early in the game. Early in the game. He was, it was injured. Early in the game. And um, I think you got to give him an asterisk there. I mean, we're not even letting Florida State play because their quarterback got hurt, okay? And then I think he gets an asterisk. I I don't need – I could tell you about the one at LSU. That's when he got to beat OU. USC, obviously, from from the vantage point of some of us, had the best team. OU lost 35-7. to Well – yeah. By four touchdowns, it's, USC it's an lost asterisk. Listen, thirty-nine it's an to thirty-six in triple overtime. It's an asterisk sport. You're right. It's a mythical champion. It's a mythical national champion sport. <laughs> it is we've mythical. Come, we've come a long way. It's less mythical than ever. I'd say it's not mythical anymore. This was an unfortunate year. Moving forward, we're not going to have it. But uh, moving forward, we will have to. Uh, we'll have fewer, I think, of these. But you know what, Homa? I'll have you back on, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it some more. This has been fun. We're out of time. Thanks, we got to go. Uh, but it's been fun uh, uh, ripping Boo Corrigan. It's been fun mm. deciphering college football. And it's been fun talking about old times on Boyd Street. <laughs>